Welcome again to another episode of Chucked, in which you get to listen to Austin Charles and Charles Braxton talk about nothing a lot of times, but really making some application to life, hopefully, that's beneficial to you as we just let you peer in on our conversations that we have with each other from time to time. And our good friend Pete Washburn here to produce this whole thing and be our sound tech and, and just record our, our wondering conversations but uh, welcome, Chucksters, to Chuck, Chucked, and uh, Austin. You have uh, a plan today, and uh, I'm just going to hand it over to you. Take us away on the path that we're going down today. That's going to make this gripping, gripping podcasting. Well, I know it'll be gripping for you at least because this is uh, some content that's right up your alley and things where your head is, uh, things you're thinking about. Uh, Started reading The Coddling of the American Mind by Greg Lukanoff and John, to get to that. Jonathan Haidt. Yeah. Um, Haidt it? I don't know how you pronounce Haidt. his last name. Yeah. Haidt. Um, so Greg Lukanoff is a uh, lawyer for the First Amendment rights lawyer and uh, free speech, particularly on college campuses. And uh, Jonathan Haidt is a social psychologist at New York University. And uh, he's written a number of books, but they, this new one is uh, the—it's called *The Coddling of the American Mind*. And um, the subtitle uh, somewhere in here—I forget uh, how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure—is mm. the subtitle. Um, but uh, there's one. There's a few parts. I want to throw out some ideas and um, for you. And uh, there's some parts I want to read, some excerpts of the book that I want to read. Um, but uh, but first, there are there it's kind of the book's kind of based upon three great untruths, as they call them, uh, that have spread widely in recent years. And uh, the first great untruth is um, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. Second, always trust your feelings. Third, life is a battle between good people and evil people. So they have with these three great untruths, uh, psychological principle and wisdom that goes along with them. So with the great untruth, number one, what doesn't kill you makes you weaker. The wisdom uh, is prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. The psychological principle behind that is young people are anti-fragile. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's a, some folk proverb, prepare the child for the road, not the road for Oof. the child. Uh, the second great untruth, always trust your feelings. Your worst enemy, the wisdom behind that, your worst enemy cannot harm you as much as your own thoughts unguarded, but once mastered, no one can help you as much, not even your father or your mother. The psychological principle, we are all prone to emotional reasoning and the confirmation bias. Third great untruth, life is a battle between good people and evil people. The line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. Psychological principle, we are all prone to dichotomous thinking, binary thinking, and tribalism. Uh, There's this uh, one example they give in the beginning, um, talking about trigger points, um, kind of the foundation behind these three great untruths. To give one example, they say Columbia University's core curriculum, part of the general education requirement for all undergraduates at Columbia College features a course in masterpieces of Western literature and philosophy. At one point, this included the works of Ovid, Homer, Dante, Augustine, and Montaigne, and Wolfe. According to the university, the course is supposed to tackle, quote, the most difficult questions about human experience. However, in 2015, four Columbia undergraduates wrote an essay in the school newspaper arguing that these, that the students need to 
feel safe in the classroom, but many texts in the Western canon are wrought with histories and narratives of exclusion and oppression and contain triggering and offensive material that marginalizes student identities in the classroom. Some students said that these texts are so emotionally challenging to read and discuss that professors should issue trigger warnings and provide support for triggered students. Trigger warnings are the verbal or written notifications provided by a professor to alert students that they are about to encounter potentially distressing material. Oh, boy. What do you think about trigger warnings, first off? Yeah. Golly. I think on Chucked, I say things that that are reflective of conversations you and I have as we express thoughts. So these uh, are, do not do not always... My thoughts and expressions on this show do not reflect lucid thinking necessarily. <laughs> I want to give a disclaimer on that. Let me just say what I feel when I say to that. Or when I hear that, suck it up, <laughs> you soft American wusses. Okay, that's that's good. That's how I feel. That's how mm-hmm. I feel. It's like I'm just you know I I. Uh, it's interesting that what you said about you know prepare the child for the road and not the road for the child. You know the the new phrase today is not helicopter parenting but lawnmower parenting. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna mow the way for our child, make it as easy as possible, instead of them learning to get out their own um, way clearer and learn how to navigate paths. Mm-hmm. And I I think per- personally the reaction is I I did not raise you and Jordan that way to a fault. I was I was, was are you would you agree with this? I was putting mm-hmm. you in challenging situations. I regret that particularly with you to some extent because boys physically mature later so putting you in situations that the intentional putting you in a, a you know a year ahead of where you were was to challenge you was to strengthen you well that was it I shouldn't have done that so I'll, I'll qualify what I'm about to say with that you know would, would mm-hmm. you agree with that I mean it was like, like you never you were a tremendous athlete but you never believed it because you never got to experience dominating Mm-hmm. Because you were always playing a year up. Well, a year up to a boy is like five years up, because you develop later physically. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you struggled, but in, until you played the, in your grade class when you were in about seventh grade, you never experienced what it was like to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurt your self belief. Would you agree? Until until your twenties, did you guys? Oh, guys, you guys were right. I had Division One ability. I never believed that. There's one thing worse than people not believing in you. It's you not believing in you. Well, that's mm-hmm. a result of your dad making a mistake of putting you in too much of a challenging position. You know, I tell the story about putting you and Jordan in a boat on the other side of Lake Winnipesaukee or wherever it was we were in in uh, New Hampshire mm-hmm. and uh, and saying, okay, you guys figure out a way to get back. And your mom, and I come over and, and, and your mom's going, where are the kids? I said, well, I put them in a boat and I told them to figure out a way to get back their cell. And you were like six and eight years old or something. <laughs> it's just like, okay, that, you could be arrested for that now. Mm-hmm. But, but ha- having said that, I just personally, you two have grit like crazy. You know, you two have grit like crazy. So my reaction to that, oh, give them trigger warnings is to say, oh my gosh, no, let them experience the pain of that. 
Mm-hmm. And then how to navigate their own way through that pain of whatever it is is revealed on those pages that is traumatic. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as you know, yeah, you, you're lighting my fire here because I'm a big believer in, like the other day you had to tell me, hey, Dad, at your age you probably shouldn't be wearing a 20-pound weighted vest when you run because your body, your body does not need that extra weight. And I'm like, man, this feels good to put this resistance on my body and get a like double the workout. And you're going, hey, that's not very smart. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you're right. But I, I, I like being pushed. I, I like being stretched. I, you know, I'm in a phase of life right now where I'm stretched and it's painful. And there's a part of that that I like and mm-hmm. pushing myself to limits. So I, I like, I like to do that to people who said, hey, I trust you, and that that includes kids. And so. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my that's my blah, reaction to that is <laughs> mm-hmm. is you know Jefferson said the blood of democracy must frequently be cleansed by its sons mm-hmm. and what's going to happen is we're going to face a war and is there a generation ready to is it tough enough you know is it mm-hmm. tough enough to deal with with defending freedom that's what I go to you know is is it tough enough is if Let's hope there's not another Normandy. Oh, man. You guys go ahead. I'll stay here in the boat. Mm. You know, And I don't know if I would have had that kind of toughness. Because the interesting thing about that is I was not a tough kid. I, I didn't handle loss well. I, I flew off the handle when I lost. Um, you know, I remember one time, uh, very distinctly, I think I'm in fifth grade, uh, Biddy League football, and... Uh, there's a big kid that played on the Chargers. I played for the Colts, and this big kid that played on the Chargers, he we would eventually be teammates. And I remember he came through the line, and I just didn't want to hit him. And so I kind of feigned missing him. And my coach, Dad was an assistant coach. My coach, Dick Wetzel, just went ballistic on me. And it was just basically, I just didn't want to hit the kid. I didn't want to get crushed by I was undersized. And that was a real shame memory of mine. Mm-hmm. Because Dad was embarrassed about me, he was embarrassed because every—I mean, you could see it. I'm glad they didn't have film of fifth grade mm-hmm. Biddy League, <laughs> Licking Valley Biddy League football because it was one of—I just wasn't a tough kid. And then I grew into—I mean, the the undersized part developed that grit and that like you know toughness. I became a really good competitor. Mm-hmm. And but I wasn't as a kid, and uh, I was around my mom more than my dad. God bless her, mm-hmm. you know. I I love that part about I was, you know, dad wasn't home much. I didn't. I I I think my dad was ashamed of me when I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I wet the bed until I was in fifth grade or something, and I, you know, there was mm-hmm. shame with that, and and so when I hear that, there's a there's a personal shame reaction to that. There's a there's a there's a personal fatherly thing that says I'm glad that I, in in the long run, I'm glad that I, that you guys went through some of the things you went through. Although I am regretful that I had a hand in some of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, that's it, a lot. That's a lot. I well, realize you, you, boy, do you know your dad well? But man, you're touching a nerve with this one. <laughs> well, he talks about they talk about that in this the problems of progress. The and they use examples of the. Uh, it's great that we've made food more affordable and more efficient. Now we have an epidemic of obesity. Yeah, it's great that we pl- created environments, China's databases. Ma- China's making fun of us mm-hmm. for our <laughs> obesity. Yeah, um, it's great we have databases of communication, networks, 
but I mean the the means to bully and to harass and to um, like Facebook are more than ever. Um, and so they they talk about the, the the fault lies with adults, um, but it's not a, a, obviously a, a means to hinder their kids. It's a means to 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 coddle, is to protect and to be kind by definition. Um, but uh, there's another quote in here that stood out to me. It made me think, well, I don't know really how to articulate how I feel about it, but it says, all, all students must be prepared for the world they will face after college. And those who are making the largest jump, the ones in danger of feeling like strangers in a strange land, are the ones who must learn fastest and prepare the hardest. Uh, one of the reasons this jumped out at me to talk about, out of all the stuff in this book, is um, my son, Gunner, who goes... Um, um, for incredible, immense, fortunate reasons, and sometimes I wonder, unfortunate reasons, he goes to a private school, which is the, that uh, my wife works at, and my mom works at, and um, Sunday Academy, a great school, um, but a different kind of kids that go there. Um, he's been he's been really interested in football lately, and which is awesome. You know, he's been watching football mm, games. He's with learning us, the game. He yeah, is. Um, he he he. My son loves reading. And he, so he goes to the library all the time and brings back books, uh, partly because he doesn't have an iPad or video games, poor guy, but, uh, um, what, what a <laughs> depraved Depri- child, deprived, deprived child, deprived yeah, child. Deprived yeah. child. Um, but, uh, so he's been, you know, bringing back like football books about the Browns and about quarterbacks and how to play football. And so we've been reading those. So, uh, he's not been playing the, um, the, uh, uh, propaganda of communism sports soccer at, uh, <laughs> Of, at recess anymore. He's been playing football at recess. And he told me the other day, uh, and he, he always talks, he comes home, he always talks about how he's been playing football and what he did that day in his football playing. And uh, the other day, he's, he got to talking about it and we s- kind of slowly realized that how he's been playing football has been, uh, the, sick, the, the older kids who he's been playing with, is, is they team up about like six or seven kids against him. And that's what he's playing football. And if he, you know, he's twice the size of every other child. Yeah, so he's yeah. probably their size, but he's you know a year or two younger, whatnot. And so, um, if you know Gunner, you know that he um, he's the kindest kid in the world. And to he does a, not to a have fault, a mean he doesn't have he doesn't body. know how to set he boundaries. Does he doesn't no, know how doesn't. to say no. He doesn't. So um, so that's what's been happening is um, he's been playing one versus six or five or something and. Um, I mean, there's probably there's probably odds that a parent of one of those kids um, is listening to this right now, um, and we can talk if we, you want to. But um, but yeah, so I you know I've been thinking about how to handle that, and I would you know thinking about going to the school and during recess and and uh, talking with those kids uh, that wouldn't be very good. Um, for anyone, for, especially for the especially kids for, or you, well, especially in, in, in for in the sake of this conversation for yeah. Gunner's development. Yes, so that's right. That's right. Um, Gunner knows that as a kid, I, we played a game called Smear the Queer, a game you probably couldn't play on. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, the epitome <laughs> on, of politically incorrect. Uh, these which was days. a game basically when you had odd number of kids to play. We played this at church, you know, yards all the time. I grew up. Playing. You, I love that game. Whoever has the ball, everyone tackles that kid, and when you, when when you, the rule is when you get tackled, you have to throw the ball up in the air, and you all rush to go get the ball, and whoever gets the ball is yeah. the queer and you go smear the queer. So uh, I was great at that game as a kid. I was always the fastest and I always hit the hardest. And so, you know, 
So I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking that about that reason, playing ch- playing yard football. There's one instance where I broke a kid's arm playing football in the yard. There's another instance where um, this older kid, this a lot bigger kid, who's in, who's in high school, uh, a freshman, or maybe he was eighth grade. Um, I handled my business with him like I did anyone else, and um, I hit him. I, I punched him. And he was a lot bigger than me, and the punch didn't do as much as I thought it would. <laughs> and he hit me and knocked me over. Uh, so, I, so, so, I've, so I've been telling Gunner, like, you know what, bud, I know you play two-hand touch, but it's time to not tackle any. It's time to not two-hand touch anymore. You either have to hit someone or tackle them, but you have to, you have to, you have to set a boundary at some point because right now you're a target for, you're a tar- you, you are someone that can be picked on. You're a target for that, and you have to set a boundary that, that uh, you won't that you won't be that target anymore, and I think the psychological importance in that that I've come to learn is that he's understand what he needs to do now. And he's and he agrees that he will either start tackling or he will start swinging, and and but it's not. But I didn't lay that out as simple as that. I told him you have to understand you'll get in trouble for both of those things. Mm-hmm. Are you willing? Are you willing to face mm-hmm. the consequences for those things? Which is the foundation of civilization. Mm-hmm. Right, knowing where you can act and where you can't act. He learns to justice yeah. and consequences. I mean, are there more vital principles for to be a human being than than justice and 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 consequences? Those other kids learn. Okay, when I press someone, they might. If if I keep on bugging a snake, the snake will eventually snap and bite mm-hmm. me. Um, so this has been, you know, particularly on my mind with, with that. And, and, and I'm, I know I'm, I'm in the midst of raising a, a, a boy in this, in this culture that is just really, really confusing for, for men really and women, is, yeah. um, alike for different reasons. I, you know, I, I know there's this, um, yeah, but, uh, it's, uh, it's, so this stuff has, has been on my mind and, um, and not, not coddling, not, um, giving giving pressure giving uh, it's a fine line though and it is you know and i think what we have to do is find the balance that that christ was velvet steel you know he was a rose and a rose has thorns and a rose has petals mm-hmm. and what we're not doing especially for our boys is teaching them that you can have rose you can have petals and thorns at the same time mm-hmm. right the thorns protect the rose mm-hmm. they play a vital role and they protect other roses and the bush. Mm-hmm. And that it's possible to have both. And what we've done is, of course, as a culture, it's very clear. We've emasculated. Uh, boys can't be boys. And I, I'm, in the, I'm in the camp that agrees with it's a lot of the expression of anger that's coming out sideways in violent ways. Is because, you know, when I, I think back to, you know, I was a, I, you know, it's like if I was playing Smear the Queer and somebody did something unjust, I punched them, you know, and I got in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. I still have a scar on my left hand where I hit a kid's tooth, right? His front tooth, man. Because he was just redeem, being, in my view, ridiculous. And, and uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 interesting because football reflects America. Mm-hmm. You know, it does in many ways. It reflects us. It is the consummate American sport, and what's happening right now with the sport. I'm in agreement with making it safer because it's gonna. It it it, it wasn't invented with three uh, hundred pound men who could go us four eight forty. I mean, it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. So I agree with that. But 
and, and and I struggle with as a as a follower of Christ, am I validating violence? Mm-hmm. You know, I do. I mean, I think that through. Is is there is there a point at which you cannot endorse this mm-hmm. violent game? It's just not. And that's what I. That, 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 that's why I. It's hard to. Art, I, I'm not good at articulating to children, but um, I don't work with children. That's one of the reasons, probably why. Um, but if I could tell Gunnar, and he can understand it in some way, and I keep trying to and etching away at it in my parenting, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not advocating violence. I'm advocating. Yes. controlled aggression yes. yeah. and that you ha- you are wired differently from another version of your species you you are you are aggressive by nature you are a hunter um, by nature and you have to go out and take down the obstacles that are in your way to become the individual you need to be so that you can protect other people that need protecting and um, I mean, you know that some of us, we I, 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 I was talk all about it when I, after I got done with that, um, the day after, uh, uh, I saw Jordan B. Peterson, um, his lecture in Cincinnati and, and he talked so much into that and his Q and a part of the, the lecture was, um, was the raising of boys. And, um, I forget his, his wording of it, but he, uh, but the essentially saying if, um, if you take away a boy's aggression, that regression will go underground and become perverted and distorted, and it will eventually come out in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Whether in, um, in, in, in the 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 um, and it, it, it gets it gets emasculated. I always joke with my wife, Mackenzie. Uh, it's not really joking; it's partly truth as well. Um, <laughs> uh, as all jokes have some sort of yeah. truth, uh, great yeah. deeper meaning of truth. Um, how 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 dare you how dare you raise a boy? And also watch Gilmore Girls, because every male figure in that character is emasculated in some way, and the only and the only male character in that show that's not emasculated in some way is characterized as a little boy because he wears a backwards hat in every scene and plays upon the brute, yeah. dumb male. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that's a really good example. You know, not that there's anything wrong with baking, not that there's anything wrong with being French and running a hotel and having a higher pitched voice, but every you know every character is, is emasculated in some way, and there's and there's all aggression belongs to the, the female force in that show, and and it and it and it, and it sends a lot of um, mixed well, let, messages. Let me let me stop. Let me let me interrupt you there, and and it's, it's how this is intersecting with what I'm reading right now. I'm reading Last Man Standing, not a book about Tim Allen's sitcom, <laughs> but about Jim Brown. The consummate American male, mm-hmm. macho American male. I, I just can't impress upon our listeners enough what the the, the man was, when he went into Hollywood after being a Hall of Famer, the greatest football player of all ever. He was. He became what he they thought he would become the Black John Wayne. And uh, he didn't have a father. He didn't grow up as a father. So here you have this specimen. Of a human being. One time, someone said that they they were so distracted in interviewing him. This female interviewer said, "I was so distracted because his thighs were just like immense. He just, you know, he had thirty three inch waist and just this god, like a god physically, but didn't grow up with a father. And his masculinity 
didn't have put around it the boundaries of gentleness. And so his problem has been the overt expression of his masculinity in, in several instances where, I mean, he's, you know, he, was, he was a serial adulterer. He told his wife when they got married, I'm, I'm, you're not going to be the only woman. You're going to have to deal with that if you're going to be my wife. And she said, yep, I can deal with it. But he, you know, he's had multiple, multiple interactions with violence and not being able to take that masculinity and then mix it with gentleness. So the steel was there, mm-hmm. but not the velvet in many, many ways. Now, I'm sure age has tempered that. But I thought it was insightful that you know his famous interaction with Raquel Welch, who was the sex goddess of the, of the uh, 60s and 70s, and they had a famous interracial sex scene. And they would later date, but Raquel Welch said this. She said, in order there for there to be chemistry and acting between a male and a female, the female has to be a little, a little masculine. She has to lose some of her femininity. And for it to really work, the male has to lose some of his masculinity. And she said there's zero femininity in Jim Brown. Hmm. That's why it was just, you couldn't interact with him in acting. Because there is zero. So you think about that. The ultimate male mm-hmm. has that dangerous, thorny side. That it really does. Jesus had that. He wasn't a man-eating plant, right? Mm-hmm. But he had that. But he also then had the gentleness that was unbelievable, that little kids felt safe in his presence. Mm-hmm. And so I'm reading this about Jim Brown right now, and I mean, he just makes you want to work out. <laughs> like, I want to work out after I read about him. You know, it's like, I'm mm-hmm. just, but what, what the role that you're playing in Gunner's life is that critical role of this masculine individual who's saying, son, we, we got we to gotta develop some thorns here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Without losing the petals. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, and because I, I think that is what aids unity, and as opposed to the the what society is pushing towards, you know the um, different. I think you see different cultures and different societies all within in their division. What the division comes from? Uh, some side wanting uniformity, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Uh, um, Un- uniformity is just never good. Ask Soviet Ru- USSR, you know, mm-hmm. t- Soviet communistic Russia. It's just uniformity does not work. Unity is what we want. It's U- it gets universi- University means unity amongst diversity. Yes, right? yeah. it's unity. You know, and there are political, I think, sides that that mask their push for uniformity in a more virtuous way because it sounds really virtuous, but mm-hmm. nothing works out when it's when it's uniform. Unity happens when we we can be different when we can celebrate the sacred of the sacred, how sacred races and, and gender is and all those things that make us different, but be united. And, um, and yes, that, that those thorns that, that velvet steel is, um, is, is, has been strongly influenced like by, by psychologists like Jordan Peterson and, um, and, and in your teachings that in order for Gunner to best serve humanity, he has to be, he and, and, and boys like him have to be tough enough and aggressive enough so that they can protect the, those who, who aren't wired that way, right? right. Who, who, uh, who, who need that protecting. 
And, um, because he, he, I know he is going to have a, he, I mean, he doesn't need help in, in caring, <laughs> you know, he's, 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 yeah. he's going to be, he's going to be very beyond mature very in that way. Yes. If um, if I, if there can be, uh, brought up next to that, an aggressiveness towards injustice and aggressiveness towards, um, towards any kind of oppression, even if it's just on a playground. Then, then we have someone that can contribute to society. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I, I can't, I could not agree with you. Or else more. he will turn into someone that that is advocating trigger warnings. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, he will. I, and that's why you know your role in his life. It's just a joy to watch. Um, it's so critical the time you spend with him. You know, I think I think you would say this. You know, I mean, the thing that that I'm glad I did is I chose a career path. That said, I'm going to focus on Centerville, Dayton. I'm going to I'm going to focus on Southbrook. I'm going to and part the, the number one reason for that is I didn't want to be gone from you guys. Mm-hmm. So I was around you a lot. Now that doesn't mean I didn't have evenings where I was you know at meetings and stuff, but I was present. And um, I as I look at you, you're a reflection of me in that regard. You know, you have a very tender side, and I do too. But you have a tough side, and I do too, you know. And I think cannot emphasize enough the way Gunner is wired. If he were just around feminine role models, he would not develop that grit. Mm-hmm. He just this is the way he's wired. That that we're all wired with. We need growth, right? We need compensation and balance and. And I could not agree more that, I mean, your role, I see your role in his life. It's amazing because he, he's going to be a phenomenal, he's a leader. That's what's amazing about it. He's a leader in so many ways. He's a phenomenal people person. Mm-hmm. Man, when you combine that with uh, a just toughness, he's going to be, an, he's going to be a, a remarkable person. He really mm-hmm. is. And uh, I look forward to seeing that happen. We're about out of time. What else? What else? Um, anything else you wanted to cover on that? Because we could talk about this for a long time. It's so central to where our lives are right now. Um, oh, with the players' box, you know, and, uh, yeah. Part of that, just like story of Gunner, but just the players' box of, yeah. um, uh, you know, with we have that meeting tonight. You know, um, after this recording. For those of you listening, that's our new ministry that we're starting. We're doing the training right now to help kids deal with pain and pressure. That's really what that is all about, is to put people in a situation where we're going to train kids not how to avoid pain and how to avoid pressure, but how to face it. And that's such a the foundational piece of modern psychology and cathartic therapy, and that how, how have we learned cathartic therapy of how do you get past the anxiety and depression in the state you're in? Well, you, yes. you go to yes. it. You go you, to you run, run to it. From it. And, and for those of you listening that think this is just some, um, you know, right-wing thing or uh, the uh, – here there's in, in the coddling of the American mind, our piece became one of – an article they wrote for the Atlantic's website became one of the most five, – five most viewed articles of all time in the Atlantic website's history. This is the article that um, inspired this book to be written. And President Obama even referred to it in a speech a few weeks later when he praised the value of viewpoint diversity and said that students should not be coddled and protected from different viewpoints. Um, I, I, th- I mean, I think the other thing I, I'm starting to learn from this is um, to – to be pro free speech is to hear is to support sides you don't 
yeah. uh, initially agree with. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'm trying to work on more is, is to... Well, let's get into that. Let's say that because I'd like to cover those other two. Mm-hmm. Okay? I would like to cover those because that's the, the good versus evil, right? It, oh, yeah. It yeah, gets yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you don't agree with me. You're evil, you know? And we mm-hmm. just broad brush people. I'd like to get into that and talk about that because more than ever in this era... Our democracy depends, has always, for 200 and almost 50 years, depended on that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's somehow even surpassed ideology and, and just become tribalism. And it, it isn't about values or principles or beliefs, um, but it is just about sides. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to be, I don't want to have a side. It's not something I hope for myself. I know um, one of my goals in, in life is to be certain of only of only one thing, and that is the um, resurrection of Jesus. Yep. And other than that, not really know. And I, I really struggle with sides when it comes to politics. I've, I, I try so hard to stay out of it in my own head, even. Um, but I, but I, I don't. I'm, I'm becoming more convinced that I, I can't do that, nor should I, nor is it, nor is it right. I mean, I, I've only voted one time in my life and it was for McCain. He just seemed like a tougher guy than Obama and seemed like he had um, uh, more experience. I mean, hell, he'd been through a war. Mm-hmm. That's enough to sway me. It had nothing to do with Republican or Democrat, um, mm-hmm. black or white. Um, I wanted the guy that's been in a fist fight before. And uh, uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know where I stand with, with, with the different sides and I'm, I'm trying to navigate my way through through that, um, but I do know. I guess I do know. Where I, you know, probably similar to you. I do know where I stand with certain values I have, mm-hmm. certain principles I have, um, and, uh, and I hope that that doesn't change. Yeah. Well, let's unpack that in another episode because mm-hmm. uh, those are all three that you mentioned with, with, when you introed this session. Those are all three really important, very mm-hmm. relevant issues right now that all of us who are involved in Chucked and life in Southbrook and whatever are. We, we have been drawn into those mm-hmm. discussions. Mm-hmm. Until next time, this is Charles Braxton, and that's Austin Charles. We'll see you on Chuck. Today.